welcome to the Stock Odds Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Noble. Our listeners know that trading is challenging. They want ideas. They want to know when and how to hedge. They want to increase performance and lower risk at the same time. We answer those requests by focusing on the odds of the trading game. Operate like the casino, not the uninformed player. Trade with a positive expectation and insulate yourself from those blindsides the market whacks traders with. Stock Odds is a stock market database and education platform. Visit stockodds.io for more information. We are here with Rob Friesian, my co-host and personal mentor, and Bob Bright, the founder of Bright Trading LLC. How are you doing today, Rob? Oh, just fine. It's been a long, long day so far, but the uh, uh, market moved around like we expected. It's uh, great to have a market that does this now. So I'll take a little break here and have a have an interview with you. Well, but, thanks for uh, joining us. Uh, ask away. Was your childhood and upbringing important to you in how you view games of chance? Well, uh, that really started when I was 10 years old and back in the days, which when I was 10, it was 1950, uh, kids at that age were working. Well, I had a paper route, actually two of them, and we had 15 people uh, congregate uh, daily to meet at a certain location to get all our newspapers. Uh, so we waiting for the truck to bring all the newspapers. Uh, we played poker, we learned how to play craps, we did different things waiting. And uh, so I learned the, the uh, that different games, you can figure out edges to beat people. Uh, so it was uh, an interesting situation. So 10 years old, I learned how to play craps and beat people that didn't know that there was a difference between a, a seven and a six on a, when they rolled roll that so i'd always bet that um you know where the odds are in my favor and then poker was uh just uh, playing kids poker and uh i didn't it was uh, i was quite young at that time didn't know much about poker i've played it off and on for 70 years now so it's uh been a uh, th those are those games taught me a lot at 10 years old and when I got into junior high school I was very fortunate to have some good math teachers and uh, learned the preliminary easy math I'm not talking calculus and what they do these days I'm talking the simple math that you could do in your head so that uh, helped me a lot as we got into the uh, stock market and options trading and all that back in the uh, 1970s. It sounds like a lot of those games helped you master these edges to bring into the markets. Uh, Correct. I actually only had one job in my life. It was a long-time uh, job that after I got out of college, I had 12 years at a major company, S&P 500 company at the time. And after 12 years of that, I decided uh, it was uh, time to go on my own. And I, uh, it, there was a recession going on in the United States. So I uh, applied for the uh, uh, an out to where I got a, a big bonus of like three or four thousand dollars if I would quit during the recession and I did that and moved my family with at the time three young kids to Las Vegas to uh, make my mark and play blackjack for a living along with other mathematical games and um, it worked out so basically ran three thousand dollars into 
seven uh, per seven and ten figures of uh, income. So it was uh, quite a quite a move. Since 1974, I've been working on as my my own, uh, either with the market or with poker or with blackjack or whatever, and um, never really worked for a corporation after that. So that was 12 years experience that I enjoyed with a large corporation and I uh, moved my way up from a clerk uh, to a, um, a financial type person where the next move would have been to a division con financial controller. I looked at the bios of everybody that was a division financial controller and they all graduated from schools like Harvard and Yale and schools like that. and or they had real connections with the board. I didn't. I had none of that, so I figured I'd reached my limit. I'm going to go on my own. So I moved to Las Vegas, and it was uh, it's been a, quite a journey. When did you discover the importance of being an advantage player or performing with an edge? Well, that, like I mentioned on my first question, uh, age 10, that you, yeah. uh, whoever you're playing with, uh, you, you must have an edge. Uh, gambling is not. Uh, a flip of a coin uh, it's a matter of where's the edge and when you any any game that has mathematics in it uh, does prevent it you know it gives you an opportunity to figure out where the edge is so that's always been my uh, way of doing things whether it be playing craps or poker or blackjack or uh, any any game that had some mathematics, uh, you could figure out some mathematics to it. These days, uh, they've gotten quite sophisticated and uh, out of my league these days. But uh, during my lifetime, we had to learn to do it in our head and be faster than the person next to us and understand what we were doing. Now it's all computers versus computers. So uh, it, it still helps, though. I enjoy it. Since mm -hmm. you since you started on um, blackjack before you uh, started trading, uh, you know professionally. Uh, well, I, I did. Uh, yes. So I, what did you? What lessons did you learn from blackjack that translated to the stock market? I didn't know because I didn't know getting into the stock market what I was going to do. Uh, the I did blackjack for four years at that time. Card counters uh, were known to be around. Most people got caught within three months, and they were asked not to play anymore. I happened to last about four years, and uh, finally started getting barred from the casinos. If you know how to read a book and calculate math in your head, you were usually asked to not play anymore. And after four years, I had enough to get into the stock market, and I always knew what uh, I'd, I'd like to do that someday. And I did not know anything about the stock market from the inside or outside. So uh, I ended up um, joining the Pacific Stock Exchange, and uh, that was where the options were. And uh, options are pure mathematics where you can actually develop your own synthetic stock and apply that against the real stock. And it's all mathematic between a call, a put, and a stock. And give yourself an edge uh, with the other participants uh, that do that. And 
that was very enjoyable. I did that starting in 1978 after being in Las Vegas from 1974 to 1978 and uh, drew with the stock market uh, from 1978 until uh, 1988 thereabouts. I quit for a while, kind of retired. I thought I got, I was young. Uh, you know, I take a break and uh, uh, took three years off and uh, got back into the market because uh, at that age, uh, actually 1992 was when I started bright trading. I was only 52 years old at the time and uh, it's been quite a ride since then. So it's amazing how it's been 28 years there. So with bright trading, we had uh, 12 years working at a corporation four years full-time in Las Vegas, trying to make a living. Um, and then uh, now 24, 34, <laughs> from 1978 to 2020, we got uh, 42 years uh, involvement with the market. How did trading on the floor of the Pacific Stock Exchange translate to your experience with opening bright trading and trading on a computer? Well, you learn a lot when you trade on the trading floor. You learn uh, some of the things that go on, uh, how it works, especially when you have derivatives like options. You learn how floor brokers uh, will seek out the bigger traders and give you indications of what might come about in the next hour, That which helps you a lot when you're one that you develop to be known as a, a willing to do a little bigger size than some of the other traders. And uh, so you get tipped off, uh, well, in an hour, you know, we, we got this big client, he's looking for doing some big stuff here. Can you help us out? And uh, that always helped. Uh, those days are basically, you know, all computer driven now. But the um, uh, ins and outs of the stock market being on the inside, on the trading floor, where you're yelling and competing with other people on the floor to, uh, get the opportunity to decide what you can do with an order. The first one to respond is the one that was given the choice. Okay, we have 100 options here. How many do you want? You can say five or two or uh, all 100 if you want and go ahead and do it. And it's always been the first response with the best bid or offer that the client would be looking for uh, by the floor broker would get the opportunity to do that and, uh, by looking at the screen and knowing the mathematics of fractions helped a lot. And I was able to give Marx's uh, bid and an offer very quickly. And that's what got me involved with uh, the market with options. And that grew into getting into Chicago a few years later where I got into futures and uh, basically learn options, futures, and stocks. And that's when we started a firm uh, 14 years after uh, I was involved on the trading floors with a three-year uh, break at one time. So mm. what was the decision to start uh, Bright Trading? Uh, how did that come about? That came about because a good friend of mine who played blackjack with me uh, periodically, he, uh, four of us kind of, collaborated together with Blackjack because we were all uh, card counters. We met once a week or so and went over some of the things that we all learned. 
we were careful in any casino not to recognize each other. We didn't want to bring what they call heat down on you because casinos, if they identify you as being a known card counter or you associate with a known card counter, uh, you would not be welcome in the casino. So we worked together utilizing uh, history and all of our different skills to meet once a week and improve our game and improve our knowledge of the various casinos. So uh, that's, I forget the question now, but that's really what went, went about. And, uh, so so you, yeah, you, and your partner, you and your partner started uh, from the poker, I mean, yeah, well, the blackjack he, side first, so yeah. Right, I went into the market in 1978, and about a year later, he joined the market because he had been playing blackjack and saw I was actually making more in the market than what either one of us were making in blackjack in Las Vegas. Because in the market, if you're good with math and if you're quick, uh, they reward you. They say, good, you know, we would show you more things to look at. We uh, would bring you more bids and offers. So we're, we're looking for helping our customer, like, you know, the Merle Lynch's of the world would try to find good traders on a trading floor. If you do that, if they find out you're good in a casino, they tap you on the shoulder and say, Mr. B, uh, we need you to leave. Uh, we can't uh, offer this game to you. If you want to play one of our other stupid games, uh, feel free, but uh, we don't want you playing blackjack ever, ever again. So in the market, it's a little different. They, they see that you kind of can give quick answers and make decisions, and uh, they come to you and say, uh, they ask for help on getting certain uh, transactions done. So that's what the big difference was. So I love the market. You get rewarded by people around you. And in the casinos, you had to be kind of a covertly uh, an unknown person sneaking in, sneaking out, having security, follow you to your car, try to write down the license number and uh, track who you, uh, who you associated with. That was uh, kind of a, an experience that a friend of mine and I and two others you know, ran into. Anyway, to answer your question, this friend of mine was shown by, he was the second person in California, uh, one of the, the San Francisco Stock Exchange, to learn about electronic, you know, trading stocks electronically, actually with a computer, where you're not in a crowd trying to yell and scream. You can take your time and make decisions with a computer. So he wanted to show me this, and I was taking that three-year period off, and I went to his office and watched him about three or four times for a few days uh, at different times. And there was, he, he did know how to make some money, but he didn't have a whole lot of capital. And I did because I had already retired. And we, we collaborated and got together and formed Bright Trading. It kind of grew from there. And uh, he, was, he was very charismatic with everybody and helped uh, grow the firm. Uh, People-wise, he picked most of the managers. We grew to uh, over 40, 40 offices or trading rooms, we called them at the time. And I did the uh, all the rest of the type of work of uh, creating strategies to help people learn how to come off the street and make money trading uh, as a, a proprietary trader. And that's how the firm grew, always 
uh, showing people how to have an edge. If you're going to make a, an investment or a trade or uh, what they call uh, gambling, well, uh, have an edge. So we we grew the firm to uh, 475 traders at one time, and it's deteriorated somewhat because computers have taken over many of the functions of big firms and small firms. Uh, back in, I guess, about 10, 15 years ago, Goldman Sachs had 500 traders. I had 475. And uh, nowadays, uh, we still have uh, about 25 or 30 traders. And Goldman Sachs has two uh, equity traders because they computerize everything. So major, major difference in the world. So it's a matter of recognizing where the edge is and staying around and adapting to new edges. And it's fun. It's, I, I don't have to do it now. I get my uh, $3,300 a month Social Security check, but uh, it's, uh, I think it still goes to the bank. I'm not sure. But uh, anyway, I, I enjoyed the trading part, and that's what I do. Well, I guess that's why you're touted as uh, the nation's number one day trader uh, during your prime. Um, what was that like? Oh, it caught an experience. Eddie Franco was my partner, and I actually, uh, around 2004, uh, we, we kind of uh, quit growing, and he got bored, and uh, I was doing, still enjoying trading, so uh, he, he enjoyed it while we were growing, uh, building offices, finding new managers, things like that, because that's what he did. Uh, and he was very good at it, uh, but we decided to uh, for me to buy him out and uh, his share, and uh, he, so he retired, bought a yacht and an airplane, and uh, has lived a party life since 2004. And I still do uh, trading and enjoyed uh, the last 16 years very much uh, with the. Uh, the growth of quantitative analysis and quants everywhere and artificial intelligence and learning all about that, except I'm not very good at it. I, I know simple math, so I stay with the edge that I can figure out and uh, let the other people do all the high frequency trading and uh, artificial intelligence. And it's a, a big change in the market. But it's fun to be involved with doing something, so that's why I do it today. Exactly, it's a it's a very interesting time in the markets right now. Uh, I was just wondering what your uh, opinion is on the current coronavirus crash. Well, uh, the Spanish flu killed 50 million people. This one, uh, you know, they talk about uh, a whole lot of people could die. Uh, but you know, we've learned a lot in the last hundred years with viruses and. It does. It did disrupt the market. We had quite a period from when uh, Trump got elected to when it got known that the virus, coronavirus, was uh, beginning to affect the world, and the markets come down a lot. But uh, I've seen that before. Uh, 1987, it had quite a drop. Uh, biggest drop ever was 1987, really. Uh, I was there that day. That was uh, an interesting day. The last few weeks has been interesting with the virus, uh, and uh, it's come down. 
it's had the sort of the fastest quick move down within a month, but uh, not all in one day. Uh, we 22% down in one day in uh, 1987, but there's been a lot of changes since then and uh, to try to prevent such large moves in one day. But we are still seeing some 10% moves now and then. And they make it even more exciting when you uh, play your perceived edge. Everyone that plays the market from a, a so-called day trader to a swing trader to an investor should understand exactly what he's trying to do and make your plan and work with it. Sounds like a, an advantage time for traders with all this volatility, better than the last uh, 10 years of a bull market from my understanding. Uh, going back to advantages and edges, what were some of the early advantages Bright Trading had over floor traders, seeing that you guys were one of the first firms out there to computerize trading? Well, we were doing primarily stocks, but we taught people uh, in a trading environment how you don't want to keep secret what you're doing, such things you put on a trade, you ought to let the room know, I just bought 2,000 shares of whatever, General Motors, and now the rest of the people in the room will kind of keep you in mind if they see any news on it or this, you know, something happening with the auto industry or whatever, and they all yell out what they've done. Uh, and on the trading floor, you don't necessarily, you, you want to be quick and you do the trade, you don't tell everybody what you did. Uh, they all may know if they're watching, but uh, in a trading room, that was a very nice because you had more more eyes uh, trying to keep out uh you know learning more alerting you if they saw something that might affect your position and plus the fact uh i understood the options so i was able to do so-called synthetic stocks uh at the time most people still didn't know the uh, how you could generate a synthetic stock uh by using a call and a put, but uh, you can. And these days, the computers have almost out, uh, gotten to the point where it's not possible to do uh, any more quickly because it's all math and high-speed computers will scalp a half a penny out of it. We used to get uh, 10 cents, 5 cents out of it. But the idea is uh, if you understand options, futures, uh, little bit of understanding of commodities and uh, know that there's various industries, how one thing can affect other things. Uh, anybody can make money in the market on a medium term basis. So it's a matter of um, where your interests lie. As they always say, know what you invest in. Uh, the best investment is when you invest in something that you know about. So uh, I still think that works. So it sounds like uh, high-frequency trading uh, sort of disrupted uh, your old systems. Were there any niches you had that still worked after high-frequency trading sort of flooded the market? Not really. There's some some of our best people in bright trading have developed uh, their own methodology to do things, and they uh, may exploit certain areas such as uh, openings and market on closes and uh, post-market, pre-market, but to try to outdo the speed of high-frequency trading firms during the trading day is uh, a little tough, but you got to have a plan and uh, 
usually most traders that want to make a decent living over time work a plan and they have a way of hedging uh, no matter what happens uh, so that if uh, it doesn't exactly work out the way you thought at least you hedged it to a point to where you're minimizing any uh, uh, losses to keep your uh, keep an even keel from day to day on what you make or lose you're, no matter how well you had something, you can still lose, but you uh, minimize it if you do hedge certain things. Uh, like, you know, we've seen oil drop uh, a lot in the last couple of weeks, and uh, I'm sure some people hedged it with oil futures or other things uh, from the standpoint of the ones that know how to do that or have accounts to do it. But there's uh, various ways within our own organization that Rob and others have taught people how to do that. You have ETFs that you can uh, match off against, uh, maybe a commodity or you know if you're trading an oil company or various things. Um, you, you do some homework to look to see, well, if something goes wrong, how should I hedge this so that I wouldn't uh, lose an arm and a leg uh, while I study to try to figure out what I'm going to do about it. Uh, we've seen oil drop like this before. If you weren't hedged, uh, uh, you know, you could lose a lot before you figured out what's going on. Same way on the upside. When oil went from $20 up to 120 there one time uh, over a short period of time, uh, people got really, you know, if, if you get behind the curve uh, and say you, you don't understand what's going on for a couple of weeks, it can take a lot of change out of your pocket before you figure out what might be going on uh, so anyway uh, we we uh, when we train people in bright trading we'd like to show them how to always stay reasonably hedged so if you see something that you don't understand at least you have a little bit of time to figure it out and uh, your hedge will give you buy you some time to uh, get on board with it you know Maybe your edge has been taken away for whatever geo-economic uh, uh, platform or type of decision by politicians, but you uh, have a hedge to where you have a little bit of time to figure out what's going on. Now you can make your adjustments. If you try to trade without hedges, uh, you, you can lose your whole account, and that's why we try in by trading to keep everybody uh, reasonably hedged no matter what they how smart they think they are about any particular thing including myself i always try to hedge uh everything i do yeah always cover your bases right so from your experience uh with uh training new traders what characteristics and traits have you noticed that the most successful traders either have coming in or have developed over uh years of grinding or months or however long it takes them to become a successful trader well, it boils down to having a plan and work your plan. Uh, be quick in making decisions. Don't hesitate. Uh, your instincts will eventually uh, carry you the ball for you once you learn uh, properly uh, and experience it for a few weeks, a few months, and uh, stay disciplined. So uh, work your plan, uh, have quick instincts, and uh, stay disciplined, and if you don't have, if you or if you can't develop those three things, uh, the market is not for you. <laughs> you might as well go to Las Vegas and uh, 
take a shot on the craps, which, uh, you know, one out of uh, one day out of five, you might make money uh, on craps, uh, even though you have an edge against you. So you need to have that edge or a perceived edge in going your way. And that's what it takes is those three things, a plan and working it uh, and um, being able to hedge yourself. So what in your career, what was your greatest challenge? Well, in poker, it's easy to say because they call it uh, tilting uh, and whether you're trading options or stocks or commodities or whatever, you have to say discipline, meaning don't tilt. Just because you did the right trade and you lose doesn't mean uh, you have to double up the catch up. Uh, a lot of people try to do that, and that's called tilting in poker. Uh, I don't know if they have a term for it in stock market language or certain other mathematical games, but it's a matter of staying disciplined and not tilting, meaning getting off your game. Move, going on to something gee this isn't working therefore i'm going to have to do something else real quick and maybe i take us if i if, if my oil uh hedge isn't working maybe i jump over to some other situation for the time being until it works out that's not the way to do it you got to have a plan and work it and stay disciplined so don't tilt because the what i tell people now that i've i've played with some of the best poker players in the world and that's how they be have become the best. Uh, they they stay very focused and very disciplined. Sounds like a mantra to live by. Uh, <laughs> what is what is your most memorable gain in the stock market? Like gain as or day? What was your most memorable day? Let's say. Uh, with the market or with poker or with blackjack? I I got memorial you know memorable days on all three. <laughs> so let's do one for each. <laughs> Okay, well, anyway, let's see. Um, Blackjack, my most memorial day that I remember the most was I, in 1976, I tried to move out of Las Vegas so I would not uh, be uh, thought of as a local and most likely a card counter if I'm being seen in casinos a lot. So I decided, well, I'd have to buy a house. Uh, I checked out Riverside, California, and checked out St. George, Utah, found a house in St. George, Utah that cost 65000 So I made it a point to work uh, really, really hard uh, one weekend playing blackjack in, at Caesars Palace and made $52,000 and went and bought that house and uh, wow. got the owner to accept uh, 13000 uh, on an OZ for, that I promised I'd pay within a few months. And uh, I was able to pay that off in, in two or three months. And uh, had a house clear and free, and it was 100 and a little over 100 miles outside Las Vegas into another state. So then I got to play bigger in Las Vegas instead of having to play small chips. I could play bigger chips because now I was an out of stater coming to town to have a good time playing blackjack, and I'd sit there with a drink in my hand and act like I didn't know what I was doing, and they were letting me bet bigger and betting uh, the appropriate way, in my opinion, but they all thought I was a complete idiot. You know, I jumped my bet around from 100 to 500 up to maybe $25, and they didn't catch on for a really long time, and I was able to 
capture uh, my edge with blackjack. And that helped me at Caesars Palace along with many other casinos over the years. But that was a memorable weekend for Las Vegas to make almost enough to pay cash for a house at the time. Uh, in poker, one of the biggest games I had was uh, we had a, one of the most famous black, uh, poker players in the world that uh, had a budget of uh, basically seven figures he could lose in one day and not hurt him. Uh, he demanded that everybody, if they're going to play the game, they had to stay at least 24 hours, and uh, et cetera, et cetera, and they, they couldn't just win a load and leave. So I played, and I ended up making about three and a half million that day. And I think I played 32 hours, and I had a nice, nice win. And that was my most memorable day on the win side. On the last side, it was a, a memorable day when I was playing some really top people in in the Philippines. And uh, one of them was Phil Ivey, who's known as probably the best poker player of the last decade or two. And I got my head handed to me in that particular weekend. So uh, that was a downside and an upside on the poker. In the stock market, um, it's been a little bit both ways. Uh, but uh, when you're hedged and disciplined, it tends to work out usually within a quarter, uh, most of the time within a month, that you are profitable. Uh, and actually, a little more than half in, on a week. But you can't try to make money every day because it just doesn't work that way. You need to work your plan, and sometimes it takes longer. But uh, most quarters, you do make money uh, if you have a plan. So I've had some big days up, big days down. And these days, with all the high volatility, uh, my ups and downs are exaggerated uh, like everyone else's. But I try to stay disciplined and uh, uh, work the plan. So. That's, uh, I, I don't know, I can even tell you what the t upper pro profit day or or loss day was because I, I don't look at it that way. I looked at it as a longer term situation. If I lose or make money every day, I begin to really look to see, well, what am I doing? Am I okay with what I'm doing? And if so, stay with it. If I'm getting off base, whether I'm making too much or losing too much, uh, let's figure out if if it's just one of those cycles that uh, uh, you just got to get through. Yeah, it sounds like a better way to look at it too. You don't want to be looking at, oh, I lost this, I made this. You know, then you then your emotions might be controlled by the markets at that point. Um, so, from your experience from the markets, what have you learned about life? Is there anything from the markets that you brought into your life? You know, you learn in the market that there's uh, people that are smart, and sometimes they're Sneaky, sometimes they're just uh, forward thinking or some ones are backward thinking. Some might be doing some types of situations uh, because two weeks from now they happen to have information of something that might happen in two weeks. Uh, we, we all see it, uh, that we've seen it more in the last uh, you know, a couple of decades ago where there'd be people that would be building positions or doing something and when people would uh, wonder why this stock's going up or going down, they'd ask, well, why do you think the stock's going up or down? You know, maybe it's gone up 10% in the last week or down 10% in the last week. He said, I always just give the correct answer, which uh, just wait, you'd find out soon. Uh, 
there will be uh, some type of an announcement soon that somebody else or some people knew ahead of time and uh, that's always going to happen in the marketplace so we have to recognize that moving forward here on uh, to some more personal questions uh what is the most important thing to you in life happy with family have a nice family being uh active i love being active uh sometimes i overdo it you know i get up 5 30 in the morning or so and trade all day and sometimes uh in, in the olden days uh, 10 or 20 years ago when i was like only 60 years old i could play poker all night and come right back in and trade a little bit before i took a nap during the trading day you know you trade all day you play poker and you leave the poker table at 6 a.m uh, west coast time and get home to so that you can trade yeah. uh the um these days uh right now these days are almost the same because it's a lot going on daytime and nighttime now but i just don't quite have the energy anymore to work 24 hours a day yeah. uh there was a time when i've done 30 sets or 48 hours with poker and a little bit of trading in the meanwhile uh i, I just can't do that much anymore i don't know why you know i'm only 79. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're an animal. Just keep you, you're going and going and going. It sounds like uh, you've lived quite a life. Uh, it brings me to my final question here. Um, how would you like to be remembered? Oh, probably uh, a, a guy that kind of knew his uh, limitations and knew his simple math to get an edge, and a father, a grandfather, a great grandfather uh, that to sort of uh, had a life that he enjoyed and uh, he, you know and I enjoyed passing it on to uh, all my kids and grandkids and uh, I look forward to my grandkids and great-grandkids as they grow up to become teenagers like 14 15 years old I'd probably teach them all how to play poker it's a really good uh, a fallback on if you uh, ever get laid off on a job yeah well that's very useful uh for a lot of people right now <laughs> but that's a very humbling answer um it's uh is there anything you we would like to add rob um no it's been good to hear from bob and uh you know just uh, i know a lot more than you do stephen but it's it's great to to see him um you know kind of explain um his journey and and how he viewed the markets and viewed other games of chance and um, tried to always uh, have a you know positive expectation for everything that he did. Um, he, Bob has, has really excelled in, in a lot of things that he puts his mind to. I remember uh, your bowling uh, uh, skills, Bob. Um, you really worked at that until uh, what was your score that you could bowl? Well, I started bowling also when I was 10 years old because we had a remember that uh, paper route thing that I started when I was 10. They had a bowling alley right, ac right across the street from where we collected our newspapers. So they had 10 cent bowling for kids. And uh, we did a lot of bowling uh, before and after our paper route. And by the time I got into high school, uh, didn't uh, the high school I went to had like 3,000 people in it, but they did not have a bowling league. So I talked to the vice principal and he said, well, if you want to start one, start it, uh, just start talking. So we ended up with a bowling league. Uh, I think I was 16 years old and 
we had a, a filled the whole bowling alley with 16 lanes so you had 80 kids in there bowling and i happened to bowl my highest game at 290 at the time and he started with a spare the first frame and then all strikes after that and i was 16 years old and it actually took me until i was 44 years old until i got my first 300 game uh, oh, wow. i got that in chicago wow. when i moved to chicago to trade back there and we i got involved in the league and uh, actually got my first 300 game uh, and only 300 game you know uh, league environment uh, mm -hmm. at that time. So uh, I had three goals in bowling. One was a 300 game, a 700 series, and a 200 plus average. And uh, when I accomplished all three I, and the ball got heavier as I got older, uh, I kind of figured, well, I accomplished what I wanted. So I eventually quit. I went to a, a pro I knew and said, um, the ball seems heavy. What do I do? <laughs> he said, well, get a lighter ball. <laughs> and I said, oh, no, I learned when I was 15 years old, you don't get a lighter ball. You learn how to handle the ball better. So <laughs> anyway, I I quit a number of years ago with bowling. Uh, but now I did, uh, well, a year or two ago, I went out with a couple of grandkids and tried to show them that I still kind of knew how to bowl a little bit. So uh, but that's fun. So still like to do it. That's great. Well, we sure appreciate uh, your time here today, and um, thanks for you know giving some insights into your life and career and what's really important. To sum it all up, um, what would you advise uh, people that are looking at a career uh, with bright trading? Um, what are you know what what is the main thing to tell them about? you know, pacing themselves, you know, the journey, you know, how how, uh, how to be successful. What, what ingredients do you see? I think the biggest thing is to embrace change. There is always going to be change. You can't fight it. You can't say, well, I'm used to doing this. Uh, you know, I want to do this. I, I don't want to change and learn how to do that. Uh, just like with the virus today, there's going to be a lot of changes and you, we must all embrace it. It's kind of a lifestyle and anybody that thinks uh, there's not going to be a lot of changes in the indus various industries uh, just doesn't know what human nature is all about. We go through uh, changes in our life and you have to embrace them, not fight them. And I think this opportunity that we're having, I don't look at it as, uh, you know, the, the politicians say, you know, take every uh, uh, bad event and use it as an opportunity to make change. Well, uh, the virus is a very bad event, but uh, there will be change. And it's time to think about how will that improve the productivity and efficiencies of uh the economy the global economy the country economy your city economy over the next decade and that's going to be a very exciting period of time for people to be uh involved with that the viruses uh, the coronavirus will be eventually conquered uh after you know eventually it might take a year or two but uh 
with all the layoffs you hear about going on, all the changes, uh, it's not going to roar back like President Trump thinks he's going to make it all roar back in a short period of time. In my opinion, it might take a year or two or longer uh, to come back. Uh, most fair markets take a while. Things will adjust, but there, when we do get out of it, there will be efficiencies and productivity improvements. The one thing I have always told everybody is go to YouTube and look up 200 years, 200 countries uh, video, and you will see and hear that health and wealth has improved constantly over the centuries. And that's with or without viruses and plagues and uh, technology. Uh, there's always going to be a light at the end of the tunnel that makes it better for everybody. So, except the ones that died, of course. It's uh, too bad that, yeah. uh, you know, there was some some types of uh, governments uh, don't like to let everybody know what's going on. And it's too bad that China didn't disclose everything they knew at the time back in January. And now we're finding out that uh, had they done that, maybe the global uh problem right now would not have been as bad but uh rather than drill on that it's time to think about how, when we do come out of it what uh, opportunities and what improvements will make life better for everybody and then how do you make get get an edge out of it how do you capitalize on the thought and uh sort of uh, research you do on that type of stuff and uh, always look for the opportunity to enhance the uh, change that's about to come come about. Very good, very good. All right, um, we'll let you uh, go and we again appreciate your uh, time here and your contribution to uh, the trading community and uh, those that uh, you know will come to our website and uh, you know check us out. So really appreciate that and have yourself a, a great day. Okay, well, thank you for the opportunity to give you some answers to your questions. And uh, I actually really look forward to continuing uh, trading with Bright Trading uh, and seeing new people come and learn how to do it. And uh, it's, capitalism will live on uh, forever, as far as I'm concerned. And with good uh markets good capital markets good training uh people within bright trading can accomplish a lot of their goals uh to grow up and not understand what you're going to do with your life and just take a corporate job and not be happy uh, that to me is a waste uh, develop what you would like to do with life and uh, work toward it yeah, right trading for sure. here for those people that want to want to do that. I absolutely agree with you, Bob. <laughs> well, you know, one thing one thing that we want to remember you by too. One day when maybe twenty or thirty years from now you're no longer here, but one thing we want to remember you by is uh, the fact that you decided to make your capital available for traders so that they could have their own career at trading and run their own trading business. And we have had some people that have done just so fabulous in the markets for so many years. And I doubt that they could have done it without uh, you risking your own capital 
for all of these uh, traders to, to utilize. So uh, for that, you've uh, affected many families. Uh, you have, you know, had them uh, be able to step above status quo and, and really do well and, and make a, a remarkable living for themselves and for their families. And I hear great uh, stories of how some of our traders have helped other families adopt children from other countries. They've supported uh, people that uh, were disadvantaged and they've really used a lot of their resources to to help others. So, um, so the ripple effect of what you've done, you may not know all of the, you know, all of the impact that you've had, but, um, but, you know, it is known in various circles. Uh, and again, even if you don't hear it, you are appreciated and um, you've done something remarkable for the trading community through all these years. Uh, so we appreciate that. Well, I've always uh, considered working with other people uh, an edge because if you treat people right and they really have passion, uh, you know, you got to give a little time to them and they, they reward you tremendously with seeing how they can improve their lives by just uh, working with people and be amazed how many really, really smart people, a lot smarter than me, have come to into Bright Trading and have grown in their own way to where they have certain attributes that are way beyond what I can do. But it's been, a, been, a, a, been fun dealing with everybody and I can will continue to do that as long as I can. And Rob, I've known you for a long time. You showed up at my door one day and said, Oh, this is this is where Bright Trading is <laughs> and <laughs> that was many years ago and uh, we've grown yeah. a lot since then, uh, Rob. Uh, yeah. so I think that was like somewhere around uh January uh you know, fifth or something that I knocked on your door uh, of your house and said, "Hey, where's the trading office?" And uh, <laughs> that, 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 yeah. 1998, yeah, January about January 5th. I think I started trading January the 10th. So, yeah, the trading office was like a mile away, but we had it registered my house as the address because you had to have a a books and records uh, place for an official address for yeah. a firm that was registered as a broker dealer. So we used my house because we weren't real sure how long would be in one office or another. <laughs> and, and then there's this Canadian just standing at your door with his suitcase going, uh, where's the trading office? Yeah, right. <laughs> well, it's been a nice ride and it will continue to be that way. I, I really appreciate Rob, what you've done with, uh, for the firm and uh, your growth also. And uh, it, it's it's been a nice, uh, nice ride. I hope to make it another 20 years or so. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, it's, it's fun. Life, well, we've got, life a, we've got a lot of fun. Yeah, we've got a lot of people to continue to help, and we're going to try to do it through education and data and the capital um, to really, you know, capitalize their career and, and give them this vehicle to use. Um, so uh, hopefully the markets stay around and we can continue to enjoy them for 20, 30 years more. Um, but uh, yeah, anyway, thanks again. Uh, we'll let you go and uh, you have a great afternoon. Okay, thank you for the interview and uh, I'll be around again. We can do it again sometime. Okay, thank you. All right. Take care. Thanks so much. Cheers.